0: tuning in to Tazian Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania and I'm your host Tabitha Zachariah and today we have Peter Watts in the studio and Peter will be continuing with this series Searching for Certainty. Uh, Welcome Peter, how are you? Thank
1: you Tabitha, it's great to be here once again and uh, hello to all our listeners.
0: Thank you. Um, I'm happy to be in the studio as well. And I thank our listeners for joining us today. And um, yeah, Jason was meant to be here, but um, he's not feeling quite well. So
1: um, we have a worthy <laughs> we have a worthy substitute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you, Peter. Um, So, Peter, what, what do you want to do you want to review what you talked about last
1: week? Yeah, sure. Um, so last week we were talking about uh, who is the Antichrist, quite a uh, controversial. Topic, And um, we, we looked at um, a lot of the material in Daniel chapter 7, and we looked at some of the symbolism there, and um, yeah, people can catch up with that. Um, if you go to the Faith FM website, you can actually catch up with programs from previous uh, episodes in the series Searching for Certainty, and uh, people might want to catch up that if they didn't catch up, uh, if they didn't hear that last week. But so, so we looked at Daniel chapter 7 and the subject of Who is the Antichrist this week. We're really going to be looking at a lot of the material in Daniel chapter 8, uh, but before we do that, we're going to do uh, look at a little bit of background. So um, today's topic is actually called The Temple and Jerusalem, and um, we might start here. There's a new story in December 2017. Donald Trump was U.S. President at the time, and uh, in December 2017, he um made a, a, an announcement recognising Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Mm. Now, most people probably would think, well, I thought Jerusalem always was the capital of Israel. Mm. Um, and certainly you look at the Bible and, you, and that's what we find. But of course, politically, uh, that's a quite a uh, dramatic statement to make because of the conflict in the Middle East with the Palestinians and the Jews and um, the the Palestinians sort of part uh, govern Jerusalem and then there's other parts of Jerusalem uh that the 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 Jews are in and so to make a statement recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel was caused quite a flurry. And um what we want to do is we go, want to go to Jerusalem today and uh if you went to Jerusalem today I've had the privilege of going there three times. Um and you look at the Temple Mount of course, there is the Dome of the Rock. It's dominated by that gold-domed building, which is a Muslim shrine. Um, and uh, But of course, this uh, temple mount, once upon a time, was the home of the Jewish temple. Uh, today, uh, Jews will go to the Western Wall in Jerusalem and pray there to God. And the reason for that is that the Western Wall is the closest thing that They have the closest they can get to where the temple used to be, to where the Holy of Holies used to sit, because uh, the temple during the time of Jesus used to sit atop that temple mount. And this one, of course, was the second temple. The first one had been destroyed by the Babylonians. The second temple, of course, was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70, but the uh, the preceding one. Was uh, the Temple of Solomon. That was built around 959 BC and lasted till about 586 BC when it was destroyed by the Babylonians. But both of those temples were be- uh, based upon a uh, a pattern that had been established from the time of Moses. And that was, of course, the sanctuary in the wilderness. And so the sanctuary in the wilderness was like a big tent that they would be able to demolish and carry around with them and then erect again and set up. And the sanctuary was kind of the center of worship for the children of Israel as they left Egypt under the leadership of Moses. And uh, God had actually told them to make this sanctuary Uh, And the word word sanctuary literally means a place set apart. And in this case, it was a place set apart for the forgiveness of sin. There's a verse in Exodus uh, chapter 25, a couple of verses, uh, verses 8 and 9, where God tells Moses and the children of Israel to build this sanctuary. Why don't you read that for us, Tabitha, if you can?
0: Sure. um, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it.
1: All right. So here God is telling Moses, I want you to make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Uh, It's kind of a nice thought that God is saying, I want to dwell in the heart of the camp of my people. You know, God wants to be close to his people. And that's why he asked them to make this. But he says, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern. So God provided the pattern for the tabernacle or the sanctuary. Tabernacle simply means tent, a dwelling place. Mm -hmm. And so they built this tent structure and it had a a courtyard made of of linen um, with posts. And they had this courtyard and then they had this big tent which had two rooms in it, a holy place and a most holy place. And this would be a place where they would offer animal sacrifices and the sacrifices would be for the forgiveness of sin. So if, you, if people can imagine, a person might come along, they would place their hands on the head of an animal, they would confess their sins and in doing so, they would thus symbolically transfer their sin from themselves to that animal. And then that animal would be sacrificed for that sin. And really, this was a symbol, of course, of um, what God would do for us in in Jesus coming into the world and dying as our sacrifice. In fact, when when uh, John the Baptist saw Jesus walking by the Jordan River, uh, he says these words in John one twenty nine. Tabitha, if you'd like to read that.
0: Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.
1: All right. Now... When John says that in the New Testament, this phrase really only makes sense if we understand the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. You know, some people say to me, um, I've got a copy of the New Testament. Do I really need to study the Old Testament? Uh, and to be fair, you really can't understand the New Testament unless you have the Old Testament. So this line here, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, What does that mean if you don't have the Old Testament? Mm. In what sense is Jesus a fluffy lamb? Uh, It doesn't make any sense unless you understand the role that the sacrificial lamb had in the worship system of the Israelites. Mm. And so uh, John understood that when Jesus was coming, he was going to come as a sacrificial lamb. So in the courtyard of this sanctuary, mm-hmm. there was a, an altar of burnt offering. They would cut the throat of this, uh, they would sacrifice this lamb, they would cut the, its throat. They would actually save some of its blood in a bowl, which sounds very macabre. But, um, you know, if I said to you, uh, I'd like to introduce you to my son. Uh, he couldn't be here, but I've got a bowl of his blood. Would that worry you? <laughs> very, yeah. very much right you would worry about my son
0: yeah.
1: uh, if I said I can't you know, introduce you to my son but here's a bowl of blood mm. in other words the blood the bowl of blood represented the evidence that a sacrifice had been made and so that blood then was going to be taken by the priest into the sanctuary so in the courtyard you had an altar of burnt offering. So when they'd sacrificed the animal, they'd caught some of its blood, then they would burn that animal on the altar of burnt offering. Mm -hmm. There was a laver, a a sort of basin full of water.
0: Yeah.
1: That was for cleansing. And then you would go into the sanctuary proper, into the first uh, room of the sanctuary, which was called the Holy Place. And the priest would go in there and that had three um, pieces of furniture. It had... A table of bread. There were two stacks of six loaves of bread representing the twelve tribes of Israel. Mm. Uh, Then there was the golden lampstand, which was permanently fueled by oil and would give light to the sanctuary. And then there was the altar of burn, uh, sorry, the altar of incense where um, incense would be burnt. And this represented the prayers of the saints and, and Jesus, uh, sorry, the, the priest would offer incense there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, there's a, a verse in Hebrews 7.25 because it talks about uh, the priest who uh, represents Jesus. The The thing about the sanctuary is that practically everything there represents Jesus in one way or another. And so um, read uh, Hebrews 7.25 for us, Tabitha.
0: Sure. Um, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make
1: intercession for them. All right. So he, that's the high priest, that's Jesus. He is in heaven now interceding for us. Okay, he makes intercession for us. And so we can come to him with confidence. And when we pray, our prayers prayers don't just vanish into the air. Jesus actually hears them in heaven. And that's a wonderful thing. To to remember, so if uh, if ever we need to pray, we can know that God is listening.
0: Mm, indeed, and uh, it's you know I've been reading the book of Exodus, and this really it's it's good to get more understanding from that. Um so we're going to go to a break. Uh but before that I have to mention the show number. Our show number. It's zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Um yeah, you can use that to claim our offer. Uh we have a free offer for today which will give more information later on. Uh we're going to listen to this song called In the Sanctuary by Pillars of Our Faith.
2: Of a high priest up in heaven, hallelujah, oh hallelujah. He's our defender before the Father, in a temple made by God, not man. we ho
0: In the Sanctuary by Pillars of Our Faith. And you're listening to Tazi Encounters on Faith FM. And today we have Peter Watts in the studio with um, presenting this pro- topic called the Temple in Jerusalem. And I just want to remind our listeners that you can catch us through the Faith FM app, which you can get from the App Store or um, Faith FM website. That is faithfm.com.au. And from there, you can listen to previous episodes and just catch up on what um, our pastors have been presenting. Um, where do we go from here, Peter?
1: All right, Tabitha. So um, from here, we we were talking about the fact that uh, the high priest or the priest in the sanctuary service that was instigated at the time of Moses is a representative of, of Jesus, who is our high priest in heaven. And Hebrews tells us quite a little bit about this. And we read a, a passage from Hebrews earlier. And we talked about the sanctuary um, building that actually has two rooms, the holy place and then the most holy place. And inside the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the tablets of the Ten Commandments uh, that God wrote with his own finger. Mm-hmm. And so um, once a year... The high priest, uh, only once a year, one day of the year, the high priest was to go into the most holy place for the cleansing of the sanctuary. There was only one person allowed in there, and they were only allowed in there one day of the year. Mm. And this represents uh, the ministry of Jesus at the end of time when he is cleansing the sanctuary. And the reason we mention that, of course, is because this is going to be pertinent as we look at daniel chapter 8 in a moment so um he would go in there and i uh, let's read this um it's in leviticus 1633 it tells you more details about this last day of of uh the the uh, religious year when he would enter the the most holy place, it was called the Day of Atonement. But when you read that Leviticus sixteen thirty three,
0: okay, um, then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement. For the tabernacle of meeting, and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly.
1: All right. So this was called the Day of Atonement. He's going to make. There was four things there mentioned that he would make atonement for: the holy sanctuary, the tabernacle, and the altar. The priests and the people, actually five things, <laughs> five things. So a lot of things being made atonement for. So that's called the Day of Atonement. Mm. And it was basically the whole sanctuary service is all about how God, through Jesus, deals with the sin problem. OK, how does God deal with sin? And uh, he's doing it in a very uh, open and uh, legitimate way. So sometimes we think, oh, I just say, sorry for my sin. And it disappears well, no, our sins actually go to uh, Jesus where he pleads his blood on our behalf mm-hmm. and then he's going to cleanse the sanctuary. And ultimately, mm-hmm. at the end of the Day of Atonement, they would uh, the, the high priest would come out and they had selected two goats. One would be sacrificed, that was the Lord's goat. Mm-hmm. And then there would be another goat called the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. And upon him... The high priest would place his head, hands and all of the responsibility for sin would be placed on the scapegoat and he would be taken to the wilderness and he would be let go. And that uh, that um, goat, the scapegoat, represents the devil. Mm. He doesn't pay for sin. But sin is his responsibility. So Jesus oh, yeah. paid for our sin, mm. but the devil is responsible for sin mm. in terms of he's the one who instigated the rebellion. He's the one who tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He's the one who tempts us to sin today. And, um, and so he was taken to uh, the wilderness and um, released there. And that's symbolic, by the way, mm-hmm. of a few, few episodes ago, we talked about the millennium where the devil and his angels will be here Effectively uh, imprisoned for a thousand years, while the saints go to heaven, and uh, and that's why um, that's what that symbolism of the scapegoat is. You know, Mm. some people might have seen the devil depicted as a goat in occultic uh, pictures and what have you, and and here he is uh, depicted as a goat in the Bible. You see, so it even has its origins there.
0: I'd never seen it, looked at it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So even if you, so so that's the sanctuary, it's a basic outline, it's a basic outline of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus ministered, uh, as it were, in the courtyard while he was here on earth. He was uh, baptized and he was crucified here on earth, and then he ministered in the holy place, and then ultimately he ministers in the most holy place. There are two sections there of ministry. Mm. Well, we want to go to the book of Daniel now. We mentioned that we would look at book the book of Daniel, chapter 8. And um, let's read something of that. And we'll, I'll get you to read verses 8, 1 to 2, and then 3 to 4.
0: Okay. In the third year of reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me. To me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time, I saw in the vision, and it so happened while I was looking that I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in the vision that I was by the river
1: Alright, so Daniel is having this vision. He's still living in Babylon, but he's having this vision of Yulan, uh, sorry uh, of Elam rather um, and uh, it's, it's, he's by Shushan, which is Susa, which is in Iran. Okay, so this is in the Persian kingdom. He's having this vision that he's by a river in Persia mm-hmm. and uh, we'll read a little bit um, more of it. Uh, and if people by the way, if listeners um, have a Bible handy, we're reading from Daniel chapter 8. Mm-hmm. We've started in verse 1 and 2 Tabitha would you like to read 3 and 4 now
0: Sure Then I lifted up my, up my eyes and saw and there standing beside the river was a ram which had two horns and the two horns were high but one was higher than the other and the higher one came up last I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, and southward, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand. But he did according to his will and became great.
1: All right, so it describes this ram, this animal, and um, it says he became great. Okay, now we don't have to guess as to who this ram is, because the Bible in the chapter that we're reading tells us precisely who this ram is. Mm. And uh, it says in verse uh, 20,
0: the ram which you show having two, sorry, the ram which you saw having two horns. They are the kings of Media
1: and Persia. Okay, so it mentions here that this ram represents the kingdom of Media Persia. Yeah. OK, and we've we've seen already when we looked at Daniel chapter seven, that animals or beasts represent nations or kingdoms. Mm. We find that in Daniel seven. We find it here again in Daniel chapter eight. But the um, the, the chapter goes on. So let's read Daniel eight, five and six now.
0: Uh, and I was considering suddenly a male god came from the west Across the surface of the whole earth, without touching the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Then he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing beside the river, and ran at him with furious
1: power. And continue.
0: And I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, and broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him, and there was no one that could deliver the ram the ram from his hand. Therefore, the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, the large horn was broken, and in place of it, four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven.
1: All right, so you have this goat that comes and so the goat then runs at the ram and defeats the ram and again this represents a kingdom and we find out in Daniel 8:21 that this male goat is the kingdom of Greece the large horn that is between his eyes is the first king and the first uh, king of the Greek empire was Alexander the great mm-hmm. and so you have the goat representing the kingdom of Greece, Greece attacking the ram, which represents Medo-Persia, and defeating them. And that's, of course, what happened in history. Mm -hmm. That's what we find. We also note that it mentions that this goat grew very great. Mm -hmm. That's important. The ram grew great. Mm -hmm. The goat grew very great. But then we're going to see a third player come on the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, It says, when this uh, horn was broke off, the first horn, the four arose in its place. Uh, and they represent the four generals to whom uh, Alexander left the kingdom when Alexander died uh, he didn 't have a mature heir, and so his generals governed the kingdom, but they uh, broke it up into sort of four sections, and they were Cassander, Lysimachus, Ptolemy, and Seleucius and uh, and they they spread out uh, over the empire for, to the four winds of the, of heaven or the four compass points north, south, east, and west.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in Daniel 8 and 9, it says this.
0: Mm-hmm. And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, towards the east, and towards the glory, glorious land.
1: All right. So it says out of one of that, so that is out of one of the compass points. And that would have been the one to the west. Out of one of those uh, four winds came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great. Now, think about this. The ram, the Bible said, was great. Mm-hmm. The goat They're was good. very great. Mm. And this little horn was exceedingly great. Yep. Now, if, if listeners have, were, were tuning in for our last program on Daniel chapter 7, there we found the subject of the little horn. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that, that little horn we discovered was the power that came out of the Roman Empire. And so this little horn here represents Rome. Mm-hmm. And, uh It says it grew exceedingly great. In other words, it grew greater than both Persia and Greece. So Rome is really the only power that fits. And so uh, we'll pick this up a little bit more and find out what else this prophecy says after our next break. And we are
0: going to listen to this song, Who He Is by Scott Reed. Um, Please enjoy this song and join us after the break.
3: overcome the resurrected son the victory for us is who he is who he is is more than history can show who he of often pay.
1: This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.
0: That's who he is by Scott Reed, and um, you're listening to Thursday Encounters on Faith FM. And Peter has—we have Peter Watts today um, talking about the sanctuary. The sanctuary, and um, he's also talked about Daniel eight. And uh, before you continue, I just want to let our listeners know we have a free offer that of today, and we'll give you more information about the offer sometime later on. Um, so what do you have to talk about in this section, Peter?
1: Okay, so we uh, left off with Daniel chapter 8. We, we, in the Old Testament, uh, Daniel is having this vision. He sees a ram and a goat. The goat uh, defeats the ram, and we've recognized the ram as the kingdoms of Medo-Persia. The goat was the kingdom of Greece, and the Bible clearly tells us those things. And then that's followed by this little horn power. And the little horn power we discovered was um, a little horn that grew out of Rome. And so this power that grew exceedingly great is that um, Roman Empire power. But we'll notice very interestingly that it moved terrestrially across the ground. So in verse Nine, it says mm-hmm. it it grew exceedingly great towards the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land, which would be Israel. Mm-hmm. And then in the next verse, verse 10, it says, and it grew up to the host of heaven. So here you have, interestingly enough, this little horn power, which represents Rome, and it's moving terrestrially across the ground, conquering Across the Earth, but then it also challenges heaven, and this uh, tends to point towards the fact that Rome was initially pagan, but then it transitioned to ecclesiastical Rome mm-hmm. the the Roman religious power mm-hmm. and uh, that 's what we find and it 's uh, in um, maybe you can read daniel eight ten to twelve there
0: and it grew up to the host of heaven and it cast down. It cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away and the place of his sanctuary was cast down.
1: All right, now we're going to pause here for a moment because early in the program we began by examining the Israel sanctuary in the wilderness, okay, and the fact that God told Moses to make the sanctuary uh, as a place for the forgiveness of sin, it was a place set apart for the forgiveness of sin. What's happening here is you have this little horn power that is even challenging the prince of the host, and that is a description of Jesus, and it's saying. And by him, by this little horn, the daily sacrifices were taken away and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. This is sanctuary language. Mm. OK, so it's linking Daniel chapter eight with some of the things we learned about the sanctuary in our previous uh, section. And so um, Jesus, we know, came to earth as a baby lived and then he died on the cross was buried he rose again he met with his disciples on numerous occasions and then he ascended to heaven and the bible says there he is at the right hand of of god in heaven and so we know that jesus is in heaven he's interceding ministering on our behalf and he's been doing that in the first apartment and then he moves to the second apartment we'll talk about that in a moment. Hmm. It continues on this passage, and I'll get you to read that for us, um, Tabitha.
0: Sure. Um, Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered.
1: All right. And then I'm going to read Daniel 8.13, which says, Then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be? Okay, just pause there for a moment. How long will the vision be? This is the vision of the ram, the goat, the little horn and all of those activities. How long will that vision be? And uh, he says, how long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifice, the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And the answer comes back unto 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Mm -hmm. So the question is asked, how long will the vision be? The vision includes the ram, the goat and the little horn. Mm -hmm. Now, the answer is given to 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. So, the question we want to ask is this 2,300 literal days, if it were, it would add up to about seven years, mm. okay? Somewhere around the range of seven years. Mm-hmm. But we know already in this prophecy that the ram represents who?
0: The ram.
1: The, the Medo-Persian Empire. Oh, yeah, yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. And the goat represents?
0: Uh, Rome, Greece. Greece, yeah. <laughs>
1: Greece, And then the little horn represents Rome. So seven years, if it was literally 2,300 days, seven years doesn't cover even the Persian period, much less the Greek Empire and then the Roman Empire. Mm. So is there something else at play here? Now, what we've discovered when we looked at Daniel chapter 9 in previous episodes and also Daniel uh, chapter Mm 7 is that in symbolic prophecy... One day represents one one year. Mm. One prophetic day represents one literal year of history. And, of course, the whole, you know, many, many symbols we find in the book of Daniel. We've talked about Daniel 2 before Mm. and the statue there. We've talked about the beasts in Daniel chapter 7. Here again, we have a ram and a goat that don't represent a ram and a goat. Mm. They represent the kingdoms of Medo-Persia and Greece. So you have a lot of symbolism going on. And the numbers here the the time period for 2,300 days is also symbolic. Because if it isn't, it doesn't make sense. Mm. If this was literally 2,300 days, that's about seven years, and that does not cover enough time for this vision about the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, and then the Church of Rome as well. Mm. So it can't simply be 2,300 days. And uh, scholars have rightly identified this idea of a day for year principle that we find in Daniel 9 and Daniel 7 and now here in Daniel 8. And so this actually represents 2,300 years. Mm -hmm. And we know from the vision that it begins in the Medo-Persian era with the Ram. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We haven't got a date yet. That's going to come later. But we know that it must start somewhere in the Medo-Persian realm Mm -hmm. and go forward for 2,300 days. Well, the answer to the starting point is actually given Mm -hmm. in Daniel chapter 9, which we have already covered. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice here in Daniel 9 verse 24, I'll get you to read that, Tabitha.
0: 70 weeks are determined, uh, in brackets, cut off for your people and for your holy city.
1: All right. This is the 70 weeks prophecy that talks about the coming of the Messiah. We read about this when uh, we looked at one life changed the world and we looked at Daniel chapter 9. Mm-hmm. But here it says 70 weeks are determined. But that word determined in the literal Hebrew means cut off. 70 weeks are cut off mm. for your people and for your holy city. So let's wait. What is it cut off from?
2: Mm. Well,
1: Daniel 8 precedes it, the 2,300 year prophecy. Mm-hmm. So these 70 weeks are cut off from that prophecy. Mm. And that means if it's cut off from the beginning of that prophecy, then both Daniel 9, the 70 weeks, and Daniel 8, the 2,300 days, they both have the same starting point. Mm. And we discovered in Daniel chapter 9 that the starting point for uh, the 70-week prophecy was 457 BC, which, of course, was in the Medo-Persian period. Mm. And again, this prophecy in Daniel 8 begins in the Medo-Persian period. And so if, in fact, the 2,300 days, which represent 2,300 literal years, Mm -hmm. if they begin in 457 BC, then that brings them forward all the way to AD 1844. Mm -hmm. And that's the period of time that it would take before Jesus began his ministry in the second department of the sanctuary and began cleansing the sanctuary in heaven. And people wonder, well, why does the sanctuary in heaven need cleansing? Mm. It's symbolic because we are sending our prayers up there saying, Lord, please forgive me for being a liar. Mm. Right. And Jesus is saying, I offer my blood on behalf of Peter and will pay for his sin. Mm. And that blood that he shed on on the cross Pays for my sin and for yours mm. and then in uh, the 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 second apartment they he is cleansing heaven, cleansing the sanctuary from all the sins that he uh, that have been collected or cum- accumulated there by us confessing our sins and sending them forth to heaven mm. and so um you'll notice in uh, revelation eleven nineteen there's a, a reference to um, there's a reference to the temple in heaven
0: mm. Okay, I believe we need to take a break first.
1: (laughs) Well, let's read this verse and we'll do that.
0: Okay, sure. Um, Then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of of his covenant was seen in his temple.
1: All right, so this is in Revelation 11. You know, the ark of the covenant hadn't been seen for hundreds of years at this point. It's, It's sort of gone missing, the earthly one. But this is the temple of God in heaven. The Bible clearly reveals that there's a temple of God in heaven where Jesus is ministering as our high priest. Mm,
0: indeed. Um, we are about to go for a break, but I just want to mention the offer for today. It is the book called The Sanctuary and Salvation. And uh, in this book, you find practical significance of Christ's sacrifice and priesthood. And uh, this book is by Roy Gain. Uh In this book, uh, we get to ask questions like, what did Jesus accomplish for you by dying on the cross? And uh, what is he doing for you now? and how can you receive his salvation by grace through faith within the context of the great controversy between Christ and Satan and uh, what is the purpose of God's judgment what difference does all this make for your life um you get to get answers to those questions and so much more from this book and we'll give you the code I'm um, to ask for the book after the break but for now we're going to listen to this song I Want to See Jesus Too by Josh Cunningham and Jacqueline Jewel. He was mourning
4: for his people Slaves in exile for all their sin Then the dawning down by the river Struck down and silent when he saw him
2: Clothed in white, face like lightning Golden linen, his voice a cry Vision bright, Daniel trembling. See and love in those eyes. Of light. I want to see Jesus too. I want to see Jesus too. Daniel fainted. Angel touching love said you are loved fear not I want to see
1: This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.
0: You're listening to Tazian encounters with Peter Watts. And uh, Peter has been talking about the temple in Jerusalem and uh, Daniel 8. And uh, before we went for a break, I promised to give you the code to claim today's offer, uh, which is the book The Sanctuary and Salvation by Ron Gain. And uh, the code is search 24, um, text search number 24, no space in between to and we'll be able to send this book to you. Uh, Peter, I believe we're in the last section of our program. Um, how did you want to finish off?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, we've just just to review a little bit of what we've we've seen. First of all, we recognise that um, God said, "Make me a sanctuary." Uh, at the time of Moses, which was basically an outline of how God is solving the sin problem. How is God saving us from sin? And uh, each element, really, of the sanctuary tells us something more about the wonderful ministry of Jesus. Um, for instance, there was only one door to the sanctuary, and Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so everything about the sanctuary really reveals something about the incredible ministry of Jesus. And we we, we discovered that in Daniel chapter 8... You have um, these uh, animals, the ram and the goat, depicting the nations of medo Persia, and it talks about the history. And then it says, "How long um, will the vision be?" And the answer is given for two thousand three hundred days. Then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. And we recognise that this can't be two thousand three hundred literal days because if it is,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then we have um, then we have uh, not enough time. To cover the Medo Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire, and and the Church of Rome too. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's fascinating is when you look at Daniel chapter seven, as we did last time round, mm-hmm. they the the animals that are used are what the Bible calls unclean animals. Mm-hmm. When you look at Daniel chapter eight, the animals that are used are clean animals, a goat and a ram. Mm-hmm. Not only are they clean animals, they are animals used in the sanctuary services. Mm. But not only are they animals used in the sanctuary services, they are animals that are used on the Day of Atonement. If you read Leviticus 16, which Mm -hmm. I encourage our listeners to do, Mm
2: -hmm. you
1: will find that the ram and the goat are animals that are used on the Day of Atonement. In other words, Daniel chapter 8 is prefiguring what is happening in heaven in regards to the heavenly Day of Atonement. We noticed in Daniel chapter 7 that... um, Jesus, you know, it says the Son of Man comes before the Ancient of Days. That's Jesus coming before the Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. And we notice that um, when we discuss the subject of of justice and the judgment, we notice that the judgment biblically comes after the cross because Paul said that God will judge the world in the future. So it comes after the cross, Mm -hmm. a specific time, after 1798, because it has to come after the activity of the Little Horn Power in Daniel seven, mm-hmm. but before Jesus returns, and so this uh, date of 1844, that is the end of the 2,300 year prophecy, mm-hmm. uh, fits perfectly into that pattern, and so we we can understand that that that's um, the case. You know, uh, the first angel's message that we've been. Talking about these three angels in Revelation, in Revelation 14, 6 and Mm 7, it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And this judgment scene that we see in Daniel 7, the cleansing of the sanctuary that we see in Daniel chapter 8, Mm -hmm. it's the same event and it takes place. In eighteen forty-four, that's when Jesus transitions to this ministry in the most holy place of the new um, of the heavenly sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love, and we mentioned this before, I think, when we were talking about judgment uh, a few episodes ago in Daniel seven twenty-two. There's a great verse there, and I'll get you to read that for us, Tabitha.
0: A judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to
1: possess the kingdom. All right. So this is great because it says mm. a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. Most of the time we think of judgment as a bad thing. You know, when we talked about um, the subject, will justice be done? Mm. We asked, you know, if you went into a room of people and you say, who here would like justice? Probably everybody, everybody's hand would go up. Mm. But if you say who would like judgment? Nobody's hand would go up. <laughs> right. But it's the same thing. You can only have justice if a judgment has been made. Mm. But if a judgment is made in your favor, then surely you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is when that takes place. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we can thank God that God has provided for us Jesus as a sacrifice, Jesus as our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary, but he's also our advocate. He stands in our place so that I, uh, in my guilt, I can send my uh, sins to Jesus and I say, Lord, please forgive them. And uh, I love what it says in uh, First John 1, 9, Mm. which it says, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. And that is a wonderful promise of scripture. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it just tells us that if we're willing to confess our sins, God is willing to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. And I think we all need that.
0: Mm. Yeah, that is right. Um, Thank you so much, Peter, for your powerful sharing. And I really hope our listeners have been blessed by your message. And just to remind our listeners of our free offer, it's the Sanctuary and Salvation. And this is a book by Roy. Again, and uh, this book, uh, there's only five copies left. So we are going to give it to the first five people um to text in. And the code to get the book is search 24, search number 24, no space in between. Um, text that to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and uh, we'll get that book sent to you. Um What do you have for us next week, Peter?
1: Okay, so next week we are going to do a little bit of a follow-on from the thoughts that we shared in our last presentation, Who is the Antichrist? We're going on to Revelation 13. We're going to be talking about the USA in Bible prophecy. And most people would wonder, what? The the United States of America in Bible prophecy? Surely not. Mm. Well, let's have a look at that together. Let's find out what the symbolism tells us. And uh, we'll be able to um, unpack that next week on uh, Searching for Certainty.
0: Yeah, I believe that will be a very interesting and enlightening uh Program, So don't miss out. Uh, Join Peter Watts next week on Thursday to learn more about that. And um, tomorrow we have uh, David Maxwell and uh, David will be talking about Good God, Bad World. Um, Join David tomorrow also to learn more about what he has to say. And wherever you are, we hope you've been blessed and uh, we hope you enjoyed the rest of your day. We're going to listen to this song, White as Snow by Rivers and Robots.
4: To the Lamb who has purchased me with his own blood, I stand in his righteousness, washed by his mercy. Though I fail a thousand times, Lord, your mercies are new every hour.